Welcome to the Women of Marvel podcast, where we assemble to talk all things Marvel and more. This is Judy Stevens, and we're excited to bring you the recording of the Women of Marvel panel at Atlantic City Boardwalk Con, ACBC, this past weekend. We had myself, Sana Anant, Katie Kubert, and Lorraine Sink on the panel. We talked about how we got started in comics, what we do our day-to-day. We announced some great comics. And we talked about all the female character-driven books coming out in June. So enjoy the panel. And if you want even more ACBC coverage, make sure you tune into marvel.com slash ACBC 2015. We'll see you guys next week. Enjoy the panel. I think you can probably hear me like this, too. Let's be honest. <laughs> you guys want to huddle? Should we do, like, a semicircle and hold hands? Yes. Yeah. You start it. Okay. <laughs> sure. You can do whatever you want. If you want to hold hands, good. I don't know if, if everyone's going to actually do that, because I think they're comfortable in their seats. But I think you should just stand up there the entire time and be our morale coach. Yes. Are you an honorary woman of Marvel? Sit down. Yeah, be next to us. What is your name? My name is Jake. Jake? Jake. Um, All right. I like that name, Jake. So uh, just make sure as we're talking, if we uh, do anything stupid, uh, accidentally reveal any secret information, you call us out. That's your job. Okay. And if we tell a funny joke, you have to laugh the loudest. (laughs) Okay, that's a morale couch, yeah. Let's see, you got to keep it up. You got to keep it up, lifted. Oh, awesome. Honorary Woman of Marvel is Jake. <laughs> I like it. Um, a lot of men did try to crash this panel, actually. Lots of people volunteered. That always happens. Yeah. So, we actually almost started on time. I got the equipment ready really quickly. That was pretty shocking. Welcome to the Women of Marvel panel. I almost said podcast, but this is the podcast. We are recording this, hopefully. This will be going live on uh, Marvel.com and our iTunes uh, this upcoming Friday. And can you guys just make sure when you, like, scream, just scream really loud so it seems like, oh, my God, this is such a popular podcast. Like, every single time. There we go. That's amazing. That's the right. best. So uh, we will start this up. So first and foremost, kick it off. Welcome to the Women of Marvel panel. <laughs> I already said that. Oh, we did. Uh, I wasn't paying attention. Clearly, <laughs> <laughs> one. Uh, so first and foremost is Sana Amana. Uh, that's me, Sana Amanat. Yeah, I'm. She's got a long title: Director of Content and Character Development. Yes. What does that, that mean? What does that mean? It means I direct the content and the character. I just tell people what to do. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's great. I can and I, I mess up all the time, and they still have to listen to me. It's fantastic. Yeah. Next up is Katie Kubert. She got her hair did. I did. So there's a curling iron station in, in I, I've never seen curling iron station before I uh, had a comic con before and it's right next to the candy so uh, <laughs> uh, I just really wanted a piece of candy and I wanted to sit down and it was like here's some candy so I bought my candy and then I'm like oh I can sit down and get my hair did so that's kind of exactly what I did I just wanted to look really nice for all of you that's really my biz excuse <laughs> 
is cons. So pressure. This is cons are not for women. Come on. The curling iron station. That's amazing at a comic convention. Yeah, that, it's, uh, they, they're, it's their second one. Apparently they were at uh, Philly and now they're here. So I thought that was really neat. And they have curling irons in hot pink, which I was also very surprised oh. about. So... Good you should them. get a free one now that you yeah, just advertise. Yeah, no, you just should. Get them. <laughs> you just prom- promo them. Uh, I am Judy Stevens. Uh, I'm the producer uh, and photographer. I manage cosplay, and I also sometimes ca- cosplay Captain Marvel. Uh, we also have another member on the panel, which I don't have a slide for, Lorraine Sink. Lorraine is our on-air correspondent. She does the Watcher and the Marvel Minute each week. Plus, she is recording the Marvel Live down at Marvel Doc, um, the Marvel booth this weekend. Yeah, I wasn't actually supposed to be here, but now I am. Yes. Yay! Yay! I ran away while some WWE wrestlers were taking the stage. And she braved the two hours sitting in the Lincoln Tunnel and then two yeah. hours more on the bus yesterday, so we're very happy. Yeah, I think her. we were at a total of six hours to get here from New York City, so... Oh, yeah. Purple heart. (laughs) Okay, so we've got some great art to show you, some great stuff to announce. We're going to start off uh, with some Miss Marvel stuff. Oh, uh, I see we have some Ms. Marvel fans. That makes me very, very happy. Um, so, uh, yes, Kamala Khan. Uh, we, oh, there we go. Hi. Uh, 16 and 17. Yeah, so um, this is the kickoff. Issue 16 kicks off uh, the last day's storyline in Ms. Marvel. For those of you who are unfamiliar with what's happening in the Marvel Universe right now, we have kicked off an event called Secret Wars. Are you guys familiar Secret Wars? Know what's going on? Okay. So uh, we have three different types of Secret War stories, uh, Battle World, uh, War Zones, and uh, this is The Last Days. And The Last Days is sort of those smaller stories of what's happening um, when the world uh, gets destroyed. And, of course, the small story is only told best through um, the eyes of Kamala Khan. And actually, it's funny. When Willow uh, and I were pitching this at uh, one of our creators, summits were like, oh, what is this last story, last day storyline going to be about? And we was like, you know, I really just want this, like, I'm really curious as to, like, what, you know, the person on the street, like, the entire world is, is exploding, the Avengers are fighting, blah, blah, blah. What is, like, the hot dog vendor thinking at this point? Um, so, literally, page one of uh, issue 16 is Kamala stuffing her face with hot dogs, because she's really upset about something, and it's fantastic, and she's wearing this really great robe, and uh, looks adorable and sad, and um, she's talking to her hot dog vendor about life as people do. I definitely, my food vendors are definitely my therapists. Uh, so that enti- this entire story is really about testing Kamala as a superhero. Um, this is everything that's come together. It was really c- comes together at this point in her life. Uh, this is the next level of her becoming Miss Marvel. And of course, that means Captain Marvel is going to come in. And she seeks her out. Captain Marvel has a lot of stuff going on. But she realizes this young girl has taken on her mantle. And it's the last days of the Marvel Universe. And she needs to go talk to this girl. Um, and tell her what to expect. Uh, so it's a really, really cute, beautiful, intimate story. Um, while the world is falling around them, it's still a small, intimate story about the two of them and about Kamala and her family. Uh, so that kicks off in June. 
Um, and of course, Adrian Alfona is back uh, with that issue, so it's it's adorable and fun. And the one small small fun fact I will say is that if you are reading Ms. Marvel and you're especially with Adrian Alfona's pages, look in the back of the panels. He always has these cute little surprises that you would never expect to come, and he actually repeats them in uh, like upcoming and every single issue. So there's a lot of like winks to the readers. So um, that's what I always love checking out when I'm I'm reading the pages. I also have to make sure there's nothing like inappropriate in the back. <laughs> the real editor's job. Yes, exactly. So next up, we have Years of Future Past. Yay! So um, how many of you guys like the Years of Future Past movie? Or have read the Years of Future Past comic? Days. Yeah, Days. Okay. Yeah, yeah, days, yeah. Days, oh, days. Years of Future Past, sorry. I one brain. Um, so anyway, this is basically the Secret Wars mini is a continuation of that same world, just a little bit later. And the cool part about it, so uh, Marguerite Bennett is writing, Mike Norton is doing the interiors, and they're incredible. Uh, and as you can see, these incredible Art Adams covers that I am totally in love with. Um, and so it takes place in that. Uh, Days of Future Past world and it actually is following Kitty Pride, and Kitty Pride, in uh, the original Days of Future Past mentioned that she had a child and so one of the main characters of the Years of Future Past story is Chrissy Pride, her daughter and it's um, a really intense family story because we're going to follow um, Kitty and her daughter we're going to follow Wolverine and his son um so it's, it's a really intense family dynamic. You get to kind of see Kitty growing up a little bit, and then you'll get to see uh, Chrissy Pride, her daughter, living in this whole world, not knowing anything else, a world where mutants are, you know, put in internment camps and uh, hunted. So it's, it's basically a... Um, Chrissy rising to the occasion and, and learning how to be her mother's daughter. Uh, it's a really great story. We also have some art from yes. issue one. Is that amazing Mike Norton art I was talking about? There it is. When is issue one on sale? Did you say? Uh, no, I don't know off the top of my head, actually. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's soon. I think it's another week or two. It's so, already been sent off to the printer, so soon. Yes. Um, but yeah, you can see right in uh, the panel on the left, or the page on the left and the page in the middle, uh, that's Chrissy Pride and Wolverine, and Chrissy gets caught by the Sentinel. And then on the page on the right, we see uh, Chrissy and then Kate and Colossus in the center there. Next up is A-Force. Yes! 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 Oh, so you guys have heard about it. You're excited. Yeah. Yes. That's great. Oh, it comes out this Wednesday. Uh, yeah, so it will be in stores in a couple days. Uh, so you, you should all go and buy it. Yeah. Um, so, yes, as you guys have heard, it's basically, you know, the Women of Marvel book. Uh, it's a great, great group of characters. In fact, let me get my list so I uh, don't want to speak out of turn. Um, there we go. Okay, so the roster is She-Hulk, Medusa, Nico. Dazzler, Captain Marvel, America Chavez, and Lady Loki. And they are fighting some pretty cool stuff, including a shark in the first uh, in the first um, issue. Uh, and if you guys can, if you guys come to uh, the Make Mine Marvel panel tomorrow at two o'clock, uh, I will have an issue of A Force for someone to read up here. 
uh, and uh, if you only if you ask a really intelligent question. Okay. All right. So tomorrow, two two p.m. We're also going to be introducing a new character who's going to have a lot of repercussions, not only for this A first story, but perhaps for stuff that comes after Secret Wars. Um, so it's a great entry level point to what we'll be doing with the Secret Wars universe, as well as what will be happening post Secret Wars Marvel. So uh, yeah, check it out. We will actually be having a, uh, I just recorded an interview with Marguerite talking about A-Force number one. It's going to be in an upcoming podcast, um, either next week or the week after that. So make sure you guys check that out. Uh, we try to be as much spoiler-free as possible, just in case you haven't read issue one yet. And we have some pretty art. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Went too fast, went too fast. That's you get to see it, sorry. That's all you get to see it! And you can also watch an episode of The Watcher on Marvel.com on Wednesday all about A-Force. We'll break it all down. Nice plug. Thanks. Do you like how I do that? (laughs) (laughs) This is so pretty. I just want to stare at it. Oh, so pretty. So great. Okay. Squirrel Girl! Yay! Yay, so I get to talk about Squirrel Girl, too. Um, (laughs) All right, so... Here's my advice. Uh, This book is amazing, and if you're not reading it, uh, do yourself that favor. Enjoy having happiness and laughter in your life and pick it up. so is this issue, are one of these issue six? This is, this is uh, cover six and seven. Okay. We don't have eight yet, uh, but we, I dug up six and seven for you guys. Okay. Well, if you start, I believe, with six um, and then into seven and eight, it's the start of a brand new story arc. So it's a really good jumping on point if you haven't been reading from issue one. Um, I'd say, uh, I'll say, okay, uh, Squirrel Girl and her dormate Nancy meet two new superheroes, Chipmunk Hunk and Koi Boy. Um, so one can talk to chipmunks. Guess what the other one can talk to? You, you read it. You guys read this then. Uh, so, yeah, by, by the issue's end, Squirrel Girl will meet one more new hero who's really going to rock her world. Girl Squirrel. Oh, no. Yes. It's an actual Must squirrel help. who's a superhero. I know. It sounds really exciting. Um, so you guys should get ready because uh, we're renaming the book next month uh, The Unbeatable Girl Squirrel. I lied. No, that's, I'm joking. Right um, but yeah, so you guys should check it out. It's it's a lot of fun, and Erica Henderson's art is stellar. It's really amazing. And and the one thing, quick thing I want to say is that um, for those of you, someone had asked earlier about like you know how do you bring comics to, to young women who are trying to get into getting to this world. And you know at Marvel, we're really trying to we're taking initiatives to be able to bring more people into sort of the comics folds, but also a lot more younger women. And this is a really great entry point for um, people who are unfamiliar with Marvel characters or kind of uh, unsure what books to pick up. And this, I mean, it's fun, it's adorable, uh, it's funny. Um, and so if you have younger siblings, young brothers, sisters, uh, please hand this comic over to them. I always say it's a great way to get into comics. Um, yeah. So we got something up next. Pretty exciting, Captain Marvel. Yeah. And the Caracorps. We got some great covers. Yeah. So those are, yeah, those are issues one and two. Um, Cap- Captain Marvel and the Carol Corps. Uh, 
you know, what I love, and I was talking about this earlier, what I absolutely love about the Secret Wars tie-ins, all the stories that we're doing, is that we're able to do, one, stories that we've just always wanted to do, that we are sort of fans of, but also um, really are able to sort of uh, do stories that fans have wanted for such a long time. And this is really our way of honoring the fans um, and thanking all of you guys, all the supporters of Captain Marvel over the years, uh, when she was not supported initially by some people, um, to say, hey, you know, we've heard you, we've listened to you, we support you, uh, and we want to tell a story about, you know, what it is to actually have a Carol Corps. Um, so this story is about uh, Captain Marvel in uh, the uh, territory that's called Hallifield, which is an Air Force base um, where these uh, this fighter pilot squad of women who are, you know, the Banshee Squad, of course. If you guys are familiar with Captain Marvel, you know the Banshee Squad. Um, and they're actually nicknamed the Carol Corps. Uh, why? Because their leader, um, uh, Carol Danvers, is uh, the only one on that territory with powers. Um, everyone else is just sort of normal, unpowered human being, and she has powers. And they're told that it's because she's been, a, she's a gift uh, from Doom, Lord Doom, to that territory to take care of them. Um, so everyone kind of just listens, and at, at some point they realize that uh, there's more to the story than just that. Uh, and they discover that there is a star in the sky. What does that mean? A star in the sky when there's nothing beyond what you see above you. Um, for a group of fighter pilot women, that means that maybe there's something beyond. Their entire life is about flying high and sort of going to their, their sort of fullest potential and um, at some point they realize, oh wait, there's some, there could be even more. Uh, so this story is really about, you know, the concept of faith, the concept of, um, you know, believing what you've been told and, and what happens when you sort of resist that. Uh, so it's a really great story and they're all like really... Um, I don't. I want to. Can't say that word. Bad blank women, uh, and tough and funny and written by Kelly Sue DeConnick, of course. Co-written by Kelly Thompson, who is writing Gem right now and is a really fantastic writer. New and you're definitely going to see more stuff from her. And of course, David Lopez uh, is is back and doing a, it's a very very different style. It has more of a period feel to it. So it's like the 1950s. Um, so yeah. So that is that is on sale June 10th. I cannot wait for people to cosplay this. I'm yeah. really excited. Yeah, it's a different, slightly different outfit. And also her costume, we've tweaked it a little bit to a regular costume. Uh, so, yeah, so check it out. But I do, I do, I love that uniform. It's great. Okay, next up is Silk. All right. Oh, God, there's so many spider women happening. It's great. Um, so, Silk, this is issue five. Uh, this is actually a story. It's a big team up with Spider-Man. Um, and it's over a, a young girl who has been kidnapped. And um, we find out that eventually Black Cat is responsible. And it's a big uh, showdown between Black Cat and Cindy Moon. And, of course, uh, uh, she proves once again why she's uh, better than Spider-Man, so she thinks. Uh, so, yeah, so this is, yeah, this is another June book. Oh, June 10th. Um, and then, of course, this also, um, in this issue, this leads up to right before, I think, the last day's story, where Cindy Moon starts looking for her family. Um, and this is her getting a little bit more hints as to, to, to where they are. Another Spider-Verse character, Spider-Gwen. Spider -Gwen. Um, 
well, this is uh, the best type of battle story that could possibly exist. It's the battle of the bands. <laughs> it's uh, the Mary Janes versus the Black Cats. Oh, yes, that's right, the Black Cats. Um, and this actually story has, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Spider-Gwen. If you guys are not reading Spider-Gwen, highly recommend it. It's so fantastic, beautiful art. Um, and the story is great. I mean, Gwen Stacy is Spider-Woman, which is just, you know, blew my mind. And I was like, oh, it's such a simple idea. Um, and uh, the, in this storyline, uh, Matt Murdock, if you guys know Matt Murdock, he's Daredevil in this universe. In, in this universe, Matt Murdock is the kingpin. Um, and this story follows uh, Felicia Hardy uh, discovers that uh, Matt Murdock is responsible for killing her father. And so, of course, this happens um, while in the middle of the Battle of the Bands showdown, uh, Felicia takes on Murdock, and of course, Spider-Gwen is sort of put in the middle. So, um, really great story. Uh, and oh, are these all on June 10th? Wow, yeah, we have amazing. another one. We have June 10th is an amazing yeah. week, you guys. Wait, like another <laughs> one on June 10th. Hey, oh, look at that. Yeah. Look at these covers. They are stunning. Another Marguerite Bennett book, too. Yeah, so Mar Mar Marguerite's blown up, uh, but for good reason. She's a very, very talented lady. Uh, so 1602, uh, this is basically a teeny tiny love story to Neil Gaiman because you've got a character that he co-created in a world that he created. So if you like Neil Gaiman, chances are you'll probably have a, a pretty good liking of this universe. Um, so the story is, in the original 1602 mini, King James was very anti-witch breed. So, uh, witch breed, which is the 1602 equivalent of mutants. So, uh, Angela and her friend Sarah are witch hunters for King James. But uh, everything's going to get upended in issue one, and they get sent out on an entirely other mission that's super, super dangerous. Um, and then in issue number two, we've got some special people. We've got the Guardians of the Galaxy, 1602 versions. Uh, the 1602 rocket is basically the equivalent of an organ grinder monkey who's been sent free. And he's super happy to be free, but he's permanently pissed off. So uh, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's, it's, it's got a lot of great action. Um, it's very dangerous. But, yeah, we, we, we play a little bit of this and have a little bit of fun. So... Oh, and uh, so Marguerite Bennett is writing, um, and uh, uh, Stephanie Hans is doing the art and the covers, and each issue will have a five-page sequence written by Kieran Gillen and drawn by different artists, like you've got Marguerite Savage, we're going to have Irene Coe, Fraser Irving, that sort of thing, so. It's kind of a switch to what they were doing originally with Angela. Yes. So, definitely pick it up. Yes. We've got another Marguerite Bennett book. Oh, yeah. Okay. Max Ride, First Flight. Um, so I don't know if you guys are, uh, I mean, young adult novel fans. I'm sure there's some of you in there. It totally makes sense. Uh, James Patterson wrote a really fantastic series um, called Max Ride, uh, Maximum Ride, rather. And um, we were uh, lucky enough to be able to do an adaptation of the series. And what was really good, I don't know if you guys are familiar with James Patterson as a novelist and human being. <laughs> he's amazing. <laughs> he really is. He kind of like was, comes and he's just no nonsense. Like he knows what he wants. He's there for five minutes. Like you have to interpret everything that he just said in those like, you know, five minutes. 
um, and kind of run with it. But what was really great is that he came in and he's like, look, this is a bestseller. Uh, you know, it's been read all over the world. And um, he's like, I just want this to be like a Marvel, a Marvel interpretation of, the, of, of these characters. Do whatever you want. Um, which is really exciting and also very daunting because you don't want to screw it up. I hope we didn't. Um, but if you're not familiar with the story, um, Max Ride is a, a story about these these young um, teenagers, young kids who've come together mysteriously. They don't know how, uh, and they really have sort of become this adopted family. And the the twist is that they have these wings and they can fly. Um, how they got those wings uh, is a big mystery, and that's the mystery that they're trying to discover. Um, but they came from this place called the school which is a horrible place, am I right? It's a school, oh my god, you know it's going to be bad. Um, and it's where these uh, they were experimented on and they were trained, uh, so they know how to fight and they're tough, but they, they were able to escape from the school. And uh, at some point, they're discovered. So this is them sort of on the run from like these, these bad guys know, known as the erasers, who are like these half-wolf, half-human beings. Um, and uh, the one thing, finally, when, when Max ride, at some point, she gets, uh, she's facing off with her enemy, and they say, this is a test. This is all a test. What does that mean? Um, so really, this is an adventure story about these kids. It's a short, they're trying to figure out who they are. Um, but really, it's a story about family. Um, so really beautifully done art uh, written by Marguerite Bennett, adapted by Marguerite Bennett, uh, art by Alex Sanchez, and the covers are done by the wonderful Stephanie Hahn. Yes. If you guys want to see the wings come to life, we actually oh, yeah. have a commission done in the booth um, on the side of the signing station. It's done by the amazing uh, customer, uh, Solo Roboto. Roboto. I keep on saying it. Solo Roboto. Uh, he did them. They're really amazing. You guys can go see them. We're hoping to make a harness for them. And maybe one day at a con in the future, people will be able to wear them. Yes. <laughs> nice. I want yes, to put them issue, on. Issue one's on sale right now, actually. Um, so this is issue three and four cover. Okay, we only have two more sides, I promise. <laughs> Next is an announcement. Oh, oh I kind of already talked about this, didn't I? Oops. Uh, what is do is our announcement in this panel, Sana. Whoopsies. Okay, so we're going to be doing Secret Wars Last Day storyline with Silk. Um, and this is actually the story about Cindy Moon uh, discovering where finding out the past, finding out who she is, finding out where her parents come from. Um, so, uh, you know, Robbie Thompson, Stacey Lee, if you guys are actually not following the series, um, they're doing some really, really great work. And Stacey Lee, um, art style-wise, what I love is that we're actually taking so many more um, risks with the types of stories we tell and also the types of artists that we have, which has opened us up to whole, so many more creators. Um, but Stacey Lee's art is really just quite beautiful. Um, so that is... Actually, don't know when that's kicking off. That should be kicking off in June, actually. June, June 7th? June 7th? July 7th. No, June 10th, right? <laughs> I don't think it's June. I think it's, I think it's July 10th. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's Secret Wars Silk. We also have another Last Days book. Spider-Woman! Yeah. Um, okay, so Spider-Woman is on a road trip with... Porcupine and Ben Yurik. Uh, so this story is actually quite, um, it's actually a lot of fun. Uh, 
but it's also a little bit ser- very dramatic and a little serious because it deals with a, a, a pretty serious issue um, about uh, domestic violence and um, Ben Yurik has discovered that uh, certain wives of supervillains are victims of domestic abuse and he's actually trying to fun, find one of them in particular and to protect her. Um, so this story, you know, is very much something that we've been trying to do very tactfully and very carefully um, and of course this is something that really hits home quote for, for Spider-Woman uh, which is why she ends up going along with Ben York to, to, to find these women to protect them um, and they've sort of created this commune for themselves and are kind of living out in the middle of nowhere. Um, so this follows that that particular story. I think this one is also out in July, if I'm correct. Yeah. Okay, yay! So, um, I uh, usually you go straight into QA at this point, but I figure that we have like a lady on the panel who hasn't talked much. Yeah. Uh, Lorraine, I want you to talk a little bit about sort of what you do with like the, um, so you're a writer, you're an actress, you're an on-air correspondent, you do so much for us. Um, why don't you talk a little bit about like what your day-to-day is and um, your, your job is so unique. Uh, at Marvel, well, yeah, it is. It is a different kind of job for Marvel because most people are busy making our comic books. But there are a ton of people that work behind the scenes that aren't just writers and aren't just editors, but work in marketing, work in graphic design, who make it packaged and beautiful for you guys, who tell you that it exists. Uh, so that's part of my job. Uh, I'm a comedian in New York City. That's how I came into this work. I just happen to be a really nerdy one, and uh, <laughs> Marvel noticed, and they let me. Be a part of that. Uh, so the, my day-to-day job is I get to work with a lot of the creators. Uh, I get to talk a lot with the editors and the marketing staff and the people at studios. And it's really cool because they tell me stuff before you guys know. Um, <laughs> but what's really cool is uh, they give me all of this sort of insight into what is coming. And then I get to filter that and I get to write it. And I get to write really silly, ridiculous sketches uh, that I film in the Marvel offices, sometimes with these guys, uh, sometimes out on the street and get to talk to you guys uh, and and that's what we do and we edit it all in house and we put it on marvel.com and on our YouTube and right now we're at Marvel Live well that's where I'm about to run to in about a second but uh, we do Marvel Live we come to a bunch of different comic cons and we have live coverage and we tweet along with you guys and part of my job is to interact with you guys uh, so also that's another thing that I really love about Marvel is if you send us your tweets and we you send us your stuff on social media like we we listen and we react and we give you what you want. So if you want something, just ask for it. Yeah, keep asking for that Squirrel Girl Netflix series. Keep yes. doing that. <laughs> so we, we hear it, so keep asking. Maybe other people who are on the West Coast will hear too. Wait, and Lauren, where can people find you to ask these questions? Oh, yeah, you can watch The Watcher every Wednesday uh, on YouTube.com slash Marvel or Marvel.com or you can find me on Twitter at Lorraine Sink and you can just... Tell me everything you want, and then I'll let the right people know. That's awesome. Sound good? Yes. Cool. Lorraine makes us look good, because she knows what she's doing. They throw us up here, and we don't know how to talk to people, because we're supposed <laughs> to be making comic books, so she actually does the thing right. I will say, oh, when no. we record podcasts, it's really funny, because we sort of sit in a room that's a closet, and we talk to each other, and uh, sometimes mess. we have to be like, Judy, you have to edit this later, and I'll be like, oh, okay. 
Uh, but I will say, if any of you have questions, uh, uh, you can always tweet to us. If you don't have Twitter or Instagram or any of that stuff, um, we do have an email. It's womanof at marvel.com. I manage that. So if you guys have suggestions for podcasts or news stories or you just have to question about like how to get an internship or stuff like that, send it to us, and uh, we will try our best to answer it um, uh, as fast as we can. And what's great is that the Women of Marvel podcast actually came from really fan reaction in terms of us having the Women of Marvel panels at uh, New York Comic Con, San Diego, um, which is great. That I mean, it's also a testament to the fact that we can have a Women of Marvel panel here. Uh, it's just really great because people have been supportive of it, uh, and we wanted to make sure that we're uh, continuously engaging um, this audience in a way that you know, come into your living room, your 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 earbuds. <laughs> um, that's an expansion of the Women of Marvel experience. If you can't come to the new, come to the conventions. Um, so thank you guys for being so supportive and for being so great just being here. And speaking of that, before you guys do a Q&A, I have to go back to Marvel Live. I have to go oh, interview yes. people. But it was nice to see you guys. Have a good time. Thanks, Lorraine. <laughs> so, does anyone have any questions? Okay, we'll do convent. Okay. All right, so uh, I guess this is a tradition that you have to, uh, that Nick Lowe kicked off, <laughs> that uh, you have to stand up and say your name, and everyone has to say, hello, whatever your name is. Hi, Hi, Hi Tiffany. Tiffany. Um, I've been in the process of starting to write my first comic, and what the origin story has rape, abuse, and all those tropes that people are so tired of hearing of, mm-hmm. necessary to the story. Mm-hmm. So how do you write that without oversaturating the reader with emotion? Mm-hmm. Is it necessary to put all of those things in the first issue, or is it something that by building whatever your main story is and then slowly revealing that these things have happened to this character... Would that that might be a way to you know not oversaturate and to not like do too much in the first issue, but to slowly reveal like oh this is why this character reacts this way because you know they went through this experience. That might be a cool way to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, what I would always say, I mean, I mean, that's it's really tough. You have to be very tactful, and you have to know, make sure that you're doing it for a purpose. Like, what is the reason as to why you want to include, um, you know, a, a, the, these sort of concepts into your story, and how does it really um, speak to your particular character? What is it saying about that person? Um, think about the the reaction and how this person is reacting to everything that she. At, that everything she's experienced and how she is on a day-to-day basis, you know, how it informs uh, how she orders breakfast at, you know, the, the, the local deli, how she talks to men, how she talks to women. Um, I would say slow it down and, and focus on those elements, sort of the after effects rather than that, other those other things, you know. It's really about trauma more than anything else and how people deal with trauma. If we focus on, I think, the actual, you know, you know, rape or whatever itself, um, then I think that we're kind of detracting from the, the human being and, and what it is to be a human being when you when you have 
a horrible experience happened to you. So definitely, you know, talk to people, do your research, you know, understand exactly what you're going for and what your angle is, you know, the sake of telling a story um, for the sake of uh, the sort of, I don't want to say the set pieces or the dressing can be very, very dangerous. So you have to kind of dig, dig in and then you'll kind of find exactly where you want to go. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And it could be her journey, too. It's very much that. Also, mm-hmm. congratulations for actually sitting down and writing. Yeah. So many people ask awesome. me, like, how do I become a writer? You sit down and write. So yeah. congratulations. It's awesome. Yeah, awesome. great. Thank you. And good luck. <laughs> Any other questions? There you go. You know, I mean, well, you know that she, so you, you've read this series where she appears, right? That was a couple of issues. Um, not at the moment. Um, I do love her as a character in general. So I'm sure that once we start figuring out exactly what's next uh, for Captain Marvel in general, she's she will play an important role. That's just down the road. Um, yeah. 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 No, thank you, guys. I have a question for you. Did you, do you sing? Yes. Did, were you singing at karaoke? Yeah. You were amazing. Yeah, so oh, nice. was so good. Because she got the attention of the entire like there was like this live band karaoke at Caesars. She was brilliant. You were amazing. Are you gonna sing again tonight? <laughs> I don't know. I hope so. That was awesome. Clearly, all the Marvel were, show were, up again. I just want to let you know, you, we were all watching. A lot of the Marvel people were there, and we were watching. You were stellar. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, live band karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> no, live band karaoke uh, was at Caesars. Uh, highly recommended. I never knew that people could actually do live band karaoke that way, except everyone happened to be a good singer, so I did not sign up. <laughs> but it was fantastic. Okay, what else you got? I know you have questions. Yes. Question. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yes. I'm Jenny. Hi, Hi Jenny. Jenny. Uh, I'd like to ask a question about singularity. Oh, okay. I will do my best to answer, but it's very possible I will tell you just to pick up the book. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, give it a shot. Um, I've, I've read some tweets about the singularity's gender presentation. I was wondering if you could expand a little on. Uh, I actually I can't. I don't have much to say on her how she's being presented gender-wise. I mean, as of right now, she's she's a woman, but uh, much of her backstory, much of her, uh, you know, interaction with other characters will be revealed over the sequence of the series and possibly after that. So, uh, yeah, all I could say is, is keep reading for now. Sorry, I can't speak more to it. Yeah, and we also just announced that we're going to be doing uh, continuing A-Force after Secret Wars. So, yes. yeah, she will be a part of that, and, yeah, you'll definitely find more about Singularity there. Great. Yeah. Yes. Hi, Julie. Hi, Hi Julie. Hi. How did each of you get started into what you Ooh. That's a good, That's a good question. question. Oh, my, go first? Yeah, go for it. Um, well, okay. So I um, didn't grow up reading comics. Uh, it wasn't 
something, despite my last name, it wasn't something that I, you know, was in my house. It wasn't something I was reading. I liked them, but it was never where I was like, oh, I have to go to a comic book store. So I didn't read superhero comics. I actually wanted to go into film and television. I wanted to, I wanted to make monsters. Uh, so I did special effects makeup for a while. I like gross things. Um, <laughs> but a lot of the people I was meeting were very... Uh, very not nice. Very, they would say they would help me to get into a union or help me get into the business, and then the second I would actually call for their help, they would get super mad at me. So I kept meeting a lot of very unsavory people, and I didn't want to fill my life with that. So I moved and worked in an art gallery, and we were working with these beautiful pieces. Uh, there'd be like a Rembrandt or a Picasso in front of my face. I could touch it if I wanted to, but. Um, all the artists were dead. And uh, I wanted to have the opportunity to leave my mark on the world, uh, leave my mark on the current art world, uh, and have the opportunity to actually build and create something of my own and something that I could take pride in. So comics were actually a really great amalgamation of the skills that I had acquired in film, the skills that I had acquired in the art world, learning how to spot and build really amazing art. And so I looked at the DC website and there was an opening in the production department. And someone who had no idea about comics, I was like, well, I want to start at the bottom. I want to know how comics are made from soup to nuts. I want to know what goes into more than just the editorial side of building a story and hiring writers and artists. I wanted to know the, the physical, like, assembling a comic, getting it to the printer, what is required. And only from them can I build a solid base and continue my trajectory. And it was after working at DC for a year in production, I was like, I want to go into editorial. And so then they hired me in the back group, and I worked on the Batman titles for about four years. And I loved it. And uh, as soon as DC was like, well, we're going to L.A., I was like, see ya. <laughs> I, luckily, I was able to meet with some people at Marvel and tell them the passion that I had for the craft, the stories that I wanted to tell, um, and show them the skills that I had built over my years at, at DC. And luckily, they were like, yes, you're right. You don't suck. You can do this job. And I've been here ever since. So, yeah, that's my creative trajectory. Um, I was... Uh, actually, I, I actually didn't grow up reading superhero comics either, but it was around me my entire life, my brothers. I, I was a big sci-fi person. Um, but I did love uh, the characters because I was watching all the cartoons, like X-Men cartoons in the 90s were, like, phenomenal. Um, Batman, Justice League, I watched all of them. And, I mean, like, the theme song, the X-Men theme song, like, just going in my... Like, just so great. Um, so huge X-Men fan, uh, and so obviously I went into political science as a major, <laughs> like totally made sense. Um, and I was like, ah, I want to tell them stories, I want to tell them stories about the people, about the world, what's actually happening, and make a change that way, and, you know, like, be a journalist and do all those things, and it was really hard to be a journalist, um, and really boring, you know, like, I just, and I just ended up going into publishing, which I love, I love publishing in general, I love books, I love making books, um, and just always looked at, you know, the Marvel website, DC website, being, maybe there's a job I could have one day, yeah, right, never going to happen, and I ended up getting a job after working 
working in magazine publishing for a while uh, at a small indie company called Virgin Comics, um, where I really learned the craft of how to make a comic and be a story editor and really what it means to, uh, what creative collaboration actually means. Um, and from there, and which is what's so cool about the comics industry, if you guys are interested, in working in the industry, it's still so small enough that you get to know people. You know, I actually met everyone I work with at Marvel today. I met them like four years before I started working at Marvel. They became my friends. Uh, and, you know, you see them at a convention, you say, hey, you hang out with them, you get a drink with them, um, you know, just act cool, be, you know, normal, uh, don't sweat too much. And then chances are, like, you become friends. And uh, at, at some point, there was a job opening, and I ended up getting my job at at Marvel, which has been such an amazing experience the last few years. Uh, we've been able to do so much, and what I've been able to witness since I started was really a transformation um, as to the types of books that we're doing and the types of people reading our comics. Um, and I've been very lucky enough to be a part of that initiative, and um, I'm excited to see where, where it's going to go. So just since, and I only started six years ago at Marvel, and from where it was to where it is now is really amazing. So it just makes me even more excited to for the things that to come and the things that we can create. I will say I've been working for Marvel for nine years now. I started as an intern in college, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I've seen a transformation of a brand, which is sort of mind-blowing. Um, I uh, did not grow up reading comics, um, but I did grow up with the same sort of animation, but I was a huge Teen Mutant Ninja Turtles fan. I loved Power Rangers, Ghostbusters, you name it, that was my thing. Um, and then when I was in uh, college, I got into anime. And, um, I, I had already been playing video games. Uh, I saw that there was, I was going to school for photography. Um, I still take photos now, but it's not like actually like my day-to-day -day job. It's, it's something that helps me get to cons and like meet cool people and shoot cosplay and it's a lot of fun. Your cosplay photography is awesome though. You guys should check. Where can we find that? Uh, if you just, oh God, it's hard. Um, just look at my Instagram. Uh, I have two underscores. I have, it's OMG underscore DJ underscore Judy. And you can find some. I, I travel uh, all over the world. Um, if you're looking for travel photography or cosplay or food, those are the things I <laughs> Instagram. I eat a lot. Uh, so I was going to school photography. I also uh, moved to moved to New York. Uh, I was gonna, I'm going to become this big time fashion photographer. I'm going to be so cool. I love shooty fashion. I got in New York and I hated it. It was I hated the people. I hated the models. I hated the agents. I hated and it's, you think that like you just suddenly, you're just, I'm just going to go work for this agency and shoot. That's not how it works. Uh, uh, it, the, as and I was, I was going to school when film was still a thing. Digital was just becoming a was just sort of blooming and the digital age for all film people was like the death of photography. So you, I was in this weird period where I like I just didn't want to do it. So I panicked, as anyone does in college, and I decided to be a graphic designer. Uh, I uh, started taking extra classes at college, and I was able to get an internship at Marvel um, for web design. At the time, Marvel.com Marvel was two guys in a closet and an intern. Uh, uh, this is, this is uh, spring 2006. 
Um, I then was able to get a temp gig. Uh, we have a lot of great temp gigs in the New York office. We do internships now. If you guys are interested in uh, not just editors or, uh, or or you know design or production or any of those things, we have lawyer interns. We have HR interns. We have you name it. Uh, you can find all about that stuff. I think it's marvel.com slash internships. Or you can just tweet at us and we'll let you know where it is. Uh, but anyways, I was able to get a temp gig. Uh, while I was temping, Robert Downey Jr. was cast did it as Iron Man. Uh, I remember that moment. I was working for Marvel at that moment. There was a moment where I went from telling everyone I had to work, I worked with this comic book company, you know, Spider-Man? Do you know, do you know Spider-Man? <laughs> to now, like, literally, you just have to say I work for Marvel and it's a different world. But um, I, I got hired full-time after college. Uh, I graduated right before the recession. Uh, it was a hard time in New York City for artists. Uh, and Marvel took me in and gave me a life and I survived. And now I produce stuff and I love it. And uh, I, I, the only reason I've stayed for nine years and I think that, you know, as you, people move and change in New York City, that's just the way the world is now. But we're a family. Like, we go out together. We all know each other. Like, uh, there's a whole group of us on the West Coast. And we see them once a year. And it's like we, we just saw them yesterday. So I think that that's truly, like, I, I think that our family mentality comes out to in this podcast, in, uh, in our comics. And uh, we hope that you guys are part of our family. And at karaoke. And a karaoke. I love Jake. Jake's like nodding around along to everything you're saying. He's a great supportive. You're great morale building. You're doing a great job. Good job. Do you have a question? I feel like you have to have ask a question now. Why are you guys so amazing. Oh. <laughs> well, well. You're my favorite. I'm going to give you a hug later. Up here with us, Jake. Can we bring you Magical. everywhere we go? <laughs> well, my mother, Hamida Manet actually trained me very well, taught me how to be amazing. <laughs> she texts me poetry about how to be amazing, actually. Um, uh, thank you. That's very, very sweet of you. You're amazing. You're a wonderful person. Um, what is so great about this is that we get to engage with everybody every single day, and we love it. And it's authentic. It's not BS. We're not trying to uh, sell anything. I mean, my comics, kind of. But uh, because they're good, not because I necessarily uh, need money. I do need money. Um, but <laughs> aside from that, we just we kind of love what we do, and and that's what that's what being at Marvel is about. Is that we actually like each other and we work together, which is is pretty awesome. And that kind of comes out when we talk to, talk to you guys. Um, yeah. Do you guys have any other questions? Yes. Go ahead. What is your name? You have to stand and... Hi, I'm Harley. Hi, Harley. Hi. I've heard that generally when people start working for Marvel as artists and writers, they're working on established series and stuff, like the, you know, whatever Batman is going Batman. What is that character? I don't understand. It's okay. I, I forgive you. We're not. Yeah. Um, so, how are new characters added to Marvel Universe? Like, what is the process for that? How did the who, who pitched the the Squirrel Girl and who approved that? Well, well, Squirrel Girl has existed for a while, actually. Um, but, you know, I can speak to, to Ms. Marvel, which is Kamala Khan. And honestly, we create new characters all the time. Like, you'll sometimes, like, you'll be reading Avengers uh, book, and there'll, we'll, there'll be new, a new cast of characters coming in and out. The key is, 
creating a character that can stick and that you can sit down if you'd like. You, if, if you're comfortable, you can stand or whatever you'd like. Um, oh, okay, there you go. Uh, it, the, how do you find the magic that creates a character that's going to be a long-lasting character that people are going to care about and come back and buy and also have an issue, a single issue that's dedicated to that character? Um, it's very difficult, I won't lie. Like we, We'll have characters, but whether they stick and whether they're around for a while is really dependent on you know the types of stories that we're telling, what we're tapping into um, that is reminiscent of what's happening in the world outside. Uh, so with Kamala Khan in particular, it was a very simple idea. I mean, if you kind of read, if you're reading Ms. Marvel, it's really Spider-Man. Um, it, it's really a story of what happens to a young kid when they get powers, and a young kid who's trying to figure out who she is. Um, but for us, it was kind of like whittling down the core of who that character was and what we wanted her mission statement to be, and that's when we started adding the dressing. And it wasn't about her being Muslim. It wasn't about her being, you know, South Asian or being from New Jersey, gasp. Um, <laughs> it, it was really sort of about what make, makes that character tick um, and what her desires are, what her fears are, and, and ultimately that's what makes her universal. Um, and, it, and it just happened It happened to work. You know, we had some great storytellers, um, and it, I think that's sort of the magic of the, the, the lightning, lightning in a bottle um, of creating those characters. Not to say that you know, it can't happen again. It will happen. It definitely will happen again. It's really dependent on, you know, making sure that we're telling stories as much as they're fantastic, they're also authentic. Um, and I think that's what resonates with, with Marvel fans in particular um, and just, you know, fans of great stories. No. Questions? More questions? You want to go back? Well, actually, you know what? Can we give them, this guy uh, a chance and we'll go back to you? Hi, I'm Fred. Hi, Fred! Hi. And uh, I guess my question is, uh, this is more of just a general uh, comic question, but, um, you know, because I'm also writing a comic as well. And this is like, Great. As a male, like as, as just as a guy, how do you, like, is there any, I don't want to say trick, or uh -oh. how do you go about, uh -oh. you know, because um, the main character I have is a, you know, is a girl from the main character, so it's just like, how do I uh, write her? No! Just write her. Just write. Figure out who she is. It doesn't take away gender. Take away race, right? Like, everything that we're trying to do is always about all this stuff. Race, gender, sexual orientation. All that stuff is just setting. It's just dressing. It doesn't mean anything. What means something is, like, what that person wants. Just because I'm a woman, um, it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to like high heels and cotton candy. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> I do like cotton candy. <laughs> Who doesn't? Um, but uh, try to figure out. They're, they're, we're all so complex. Like being a woman doesn't d generally define someone. So don't think. Don't even think about it. Yeah, never think about it. Just you know, her name's Cindy, uh, and she likes going to the carnival, and um, you know, and and she likes Archie comics. I don't know, like whatever it is. F f there's so many stories there. Don't be limited by that. She's absolutely right. Right. Right with the character's motivation in mind, right? Okay, it, that's the only way you can write her correctly, or you know, it 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 doesn't matter if it's a man or a woman, is if you're true to your character. So if you establish whatever their motivation is and whatever it is that they're after in life, just stick with that and make sure that every decision that they make 
uh, going forward is reminiscent or or plays into some part of their motivation because uh, the only way you can do wrong by them is going against that. So if you're setting up a character and you know they're they're tomboy and you know they like you know tomboy things, I guess don't don't let her you know love unicorns unless there's a specific reason for it. You know, not that tomboys can't love unicorns, but you know my point is stay true to your character stay true to their motivations stay true to what they want and keep that in mind when you're writing your story if they're gay or straight play that into into what their motivations is they're probably going to want to date so you know just as long as it makes sense for who the person is don't ever ask that question again <laughs> i'm just kidding no we're all friends here it's cool you can ask me dumb questions anytime you want <laughs> all right anybody else Anybody else? What? Come on. You guys are usually so much. we got six minutes. There's got to be one more cool question. One more question. Now, okay. It's two at the same time. Okay, we'll have two questions. You and then you. Hi, I'm Liam. Hi, Liam. Um, I am also a writer. Uh, But when you're writing or when you're being pitched an idea, how do you decide necessarily whether or not it will make either a good comic book or a good um, graphic novel mm-hmm. or as, you know, as a written novel? Um, I mean, a lot of it is based on, I mean, gut instinct and you just enjoying it. Like, you will still, at the end of the day, have to realize that, you know, we're readers, right? We're fans of stories. And if you tell me something and I'm like, ah, oh, that's great, ah, oh, I like it, I'm into it, I'm, I got excited about the story. Um, the difference is with editors, we're thinking about, yeah, is the story really good? But we're also thinking about what is, like, can this actually sell? You know, what is our marketing angle? With Marvel in particular, we kind of know what, well, we feel the temperature of the market. We kind of know what's working, what's not working. So we do have that in mind while we're listening to a great story. Because I've been pitched some fantastic stories where I'm like, I love this so much, but I don't think it's actually going to be able to be a, a comic book yet. That being said, we had so many more pitches. Like maybe 10 years ago, we had, you know, we we could have done Squirrel Girl then, but we were like, no, it's not going to work. It's not going to sell. Now it's selling. So it really is dependent on what's happening in the market at the time, too. It also depends on your story. So if you're trying to figure out, well, I have this cool story, but would it make a better comic? Would it make a better novel? Would it make a better graphic novel? It's going to depend on your story. Uh, Comics are a visual medium. So when you're thinking about how to present your story and the action moments and the beats and the sequencing... Think about okay. Well, visually, this story would look well. You know, would look good if it was drawn, um, and can be drawn. If you're writing a story and you're like, well, I think it's it's a lot more in the character's head, or if it, it just whatever story you write would would be better for prose. It depends on what you want to do. Also, it depends what you like to write. You know. Also, remember, like comic books, that's serial storytelling. So that's it. Just from a very basic level like understand that when you're and that's very difficult like television shows all that stuff a lot of people now like to do done in ones they like to do one self-contained story you don't have to worry about reading anything else comic books now um 
it are, are so great because I think people are becoming more fans of serial storytelling. Um, they want to be able to get as much information of their favorite character as possible, but the key is how the longevity. You know, how to continue to sustain to tell a story and keep people hooked and have those twists at the very end, have those climax moments. Um, that's very difficult. Um, so factoring that in and, and making sure that people will come back in the next issue is very key and will also help you determine exactly what type of uh, format you want to do okay and then you you're uh, we were in the last panel Shaheen right yep. awesome uh, most of the Marvel characters that are set, set in oh I love that question <laughs> I love that question because we thought about it we really really thought about it uh, I mean, we thought about everything, but particularly with Jersey City, there was something, you know, when we're thinking about who this character was going to be, we're like, all right, this girl, if you're thinking about the celebrities in your world day to day, right, like who you love, like I love, I don't know, Christian Bale, oh, he's awesome. Um, like, all, that's, those are the celebrities, right? And if you're thinking about the Marvel Universe, the celebrities are the Avengers. Those are the people that you look up to. Those are the people you kind of want to look like and dress like and whatever, which is where her, uh, like, worshipping Captain Marvel and Carol Danvers really came from was that she's a fan of all these people. She wants to be just like them. Um, and all of that happens in Manhattan. So there's this aspirational quality to Manhattan, which is so wonderful. And it's right across the river from where she is. And if you guys are, I mean, familiar with Jersey City, of course, it's, you know, it gets a bad raw deal. You know, there's some bad places. But if you go there, it's actually quite beautiful. There's some really cute shops. And like, it, you know, the river area is actually really quite stunning. And you have this amazing view of the, the Manhattan skyline. Um, so we're like, you know, there's something really, you know, when you're thinking about that from, you know, the, the metaphorical aspect of her kind of looking abroad, looking across the river and seeing Manhattan and seeing all these amazing things happening and these superheroes flying around and she wants to be a part of it, but it's just right across the river. So we just like, I just kept thinking, oh my God, visually, I just see that. I feel that connection of looking and being like, I want to be a part of that. I can touch Manhattan, but I can't quite, quite touch it. So we wanted to make sure that she was there. So she, she Always, she was constantly juxtaposed and she knew what she wanted to aspire to be but at the same time the smallness of Jersey City the sort of the community that is there which is really quite rich if you've ever been there there's so many different cultures there so many different types of experiences that I think really um, brought it home for us because there was that, that push and that pull of like of home and beyond in the next chapter um, and, and that's really where Jersey City came from and really like you know why do you have we've done Jersey City. We've done Brooklyn. We've done Queens. Like, no one ever was ignoring Jersey City. So it just made, made perfect sense. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a really great issue cover. Uh, issue 5 of Ms. Marvel, Jamie McKelvey. Done by, it's, that represents every single thing of, of what Jersey City and, and Ms. Marvel is all about. She's kind of looking at the river at, at Manhattan and sitting on a, on a late post. So, All right. Also, because Jersey's awesome. Hello. Awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think, we're uh, I think that's yeah. it. Uh, thanks for coming, everyone. Make sure you, if you do not listen, uh, download the Women of Marvel podcast. We are at episode 45. We're almost to 50. It's crazy. If you do listen on iTunes, please rate and review. It makes us go up in numbers. Thank you. <laughs> and we'll be also at the Marvel booth uh, today. And then uh, tomorrow we've got, I think, a few more panels. Make Mine Marvel, Marvel Unlimited Plus. Uh, I think that's that's it. And of course, you can find me uh, on Twitter at minib six twenty two. I'm just at Katie Kubert. 
Smart. That's I am OMG J OMG underscore DJ underscore Judy. Underscores I, killed it. Yeah, every time we talk about this. So yeah, look for us. If you have any questions or anything, always email us at womanof at marvel.com. Thanks for coming. We will see you guys later. Thanks, Thanks so much, guys. guys.